It's been common to say for a long time that more than half of restaurants close before they even make it a year. Now think of the chances of survival if you opened one right before the pandemic, right before restaurants around the world had to shut down their in-person business. And as the virus has ebbed and flowed, the number of customers coming in has too. But some of these businesses in Colorado have survived through mandates, inflation, supply chain issues, staffing shortages, and now Omicron. For a moment there in August and July, August, we had hiring out for like the whole two months and we just didn't get any hits. It was really difficult. I'm Rachel Estabrook and this is Colorado In-Depth a podcast featuring special reporting from CPR News. On today's episode, one restaurant's story. It's a family story, a survival story, and in the end, kind of an ominous one about how long businesses can really survive in the face of a new infectious wave of the pandemic. Here is CPR business reporter Sarah Mulholland. It's a Wednesday afternoon in this small kitchen at the back of a restaurant just south of Denver in Englewood. On each side of the kitchen, people are at their stations, prepping for tonight's dinner. One woman pulls meat. Another makes these cream cheese wontons. Next to them, there's a huge kettle. It's not the centerpiece of the kitchen, but you can't miss it. How big is that? Like how many gallons or? Chi Win, or Grandma Chi, says that's where they make the pho. As a Vietnamese restaurant, that's one of Zomo's most popular dishes. Chi and these other women are collectively called the grandmas around here. They all learned to cook in Vietnam separately and then worked at various restaurants here in the U.S. Grandma Chi brought them together when she opened Zomo with her granddaughter. They all cook today from cultural memory. They got the meat and then they put the meat back in. That's when they starting the broth for like, This is how they clean it, by boiling it first. Yeah, she said that whoever eat the pho here say it tastes really good. They really like it. The people working in this kitchen are calm. They have a familiarity with each other and a comfort with the tasks at hand. This calmness belies the stress and tension of running a restaurant, or really almost any small business, over the past two years. This one, Zomo, encapsulates so many of the challenges for businesses in this pandemic, far beyond whether diners will bother to show up. They face inflation, supply chain issues, people quitting in the great realignment of the workforce. And of course, they wonder if they'll have to shut down in-person dining again, especially given the spread of Omicron. Like everyone else, the family that owns this restaurant thought they'd never recover when the pandemic first hit. But actually, they've thrived. This is their story of survival. I'm Sarah Mulholland, a business reporter at Colorado Public Radio. And this is a CPR News special behind the scenes in a day in the life of Zomo. Initially, we started with regular hours and lunch was just dead because no, everyone's working from home. 
no one's out and about at the office. I called the health department. I was like, what do I do? Because obviously, the end of December. It got a little scary there at the end of December. Yeah, we closed for a week or maybe it was two. Like business had just come to a very slow halt. Yeah. I was kind of the vaccine broker. Um, anyone that wanted one came to me and then I spent all night on the computer trying to find open appointments. Gremichi is the inspiration for this restaurant. It was made possible by her granddaughter, Alicia Davy, and her husband. Alicia is 30. She lived with her when Alicia was a kid. And Alicia naturally fell in love with her cooking. Today, Alicia is a chatterbox, the classic front-of-the-house social butterfly who helps make a restaurant a spot people want to come back to. Her energy and brightness when she's at the restaurant are obvious. She loves doing this, in part because she gets to feature her grandmother's food. And Alicia tries to help out in the kitchen when she can. Well, Grandma and I have the same size hands, so for us that means measuring is very easy. I almost joke that you have to have the same size hand as her to cook in the kitchen. (laughs) That doesn't make the rest of it easy. I try really hard, but if the spring rolls are loose, it's probably my fault. I try really hard to be consistent, but Grandma's just too good. Alicia's partner here is her husband, Ryan Anderson. We're all sitting at a booth right near the kitchen before the dinner service starts. Alicia and Ryan met when they were still in high school. There were literally fireworks. There was a fireworks tent that was near my house, and she and her family were running it. And then he came to check out at the register with a 25-cent firework. (laughs) Big big spender. Yeah, I was in high school. I was cheap. him how long he and the girl he was with had been together and he's like that's my sister and I was like all right this is my chance so I gave him a bunch of free fireworks. (laughs) They were able to open Zomo in 2019 in large part because Ryan's family owned the building which is key to their survival story. When a tenant left the building Ryan and Alicia were helping renovate the space and Alicia thought it would be great if we opened our own restaurant and let grandma be the boss. They couldn't have known at the time what lay ahead with the pandemic. Much earlier in the day today, as Ryan started his prep work, he thought about how lucky they got in a way. We opened in May of 2019. We were very lucky. We had, um, you know, six or seven months there to build a customer base before COVID hit. And they really helped us get through you know, with just takeouts and we survived, thank goodness. But yeah, we were very fortunate. We had time to develop a sort of customer base. Since then, they've worked their butts off to make this restaurant a success. Last night, for example, Ryan didn't really sleep. Something he does about once a month, he says. This morning, he got to Restaurant Depot before 7 a.m. It's like 6.50 (laughs) a.m. Uh, We're grabbing some groceries early in the morning, trying to get some fresh produce. This is the first grocery of several Ryan shops at today. That's because the uncertainty over a customer base isn't the only way the pandemic has made business difficult. Disruptions to the supply chain mean Ryan has to make extra trips to more stores to get what he needs. There's a couple things like coconut milk and some of our soy sauces and seasonings that have become very, very difficult to find. And so it's kind of like however much space you have available, you try and buy as much as you can (laughs) if you you find it. I I bought 
a pallet worth and a lot of it's sitting at my house. So <laughs> just stocked up and made sure that we could get it through at least the winter. Sometimes he just can't get what he needs. Looks like I'm not seeing the size ketchup that I usually have. So we'll have to find that at a different location. At least he scores the last two boxes of sriracha packets here. Those soy sauce packets have been hard to come by. The supply chain has affected other things they need at the restaurant, like glass pitchers and wine glasses. They actually stopped putting water pitchers on the table this fall because they couldn't replace them when they broke. Ryan grew up in Seattle and moved to Colorado in elementary school. He's half Chinese and says he was one of the few Asian kids in his class, which made for a tough transition. He's in food because of his wife. His plan had actually been to get a PhD in engineering, but he went in on Alicia's dream to give Grandma Chi a kitchen. He still finds engineering challenges in the restaurant business, ways to design the restaurant and the storeroom or his shopping cart. Make sure we find one that's, <laughs> the, some of these carts are just terrible. So you gotta find one that rolls good. He loads this long, skinny cart so that all the barcodes face one direction. That saves him time when he needs to check out. So much of running a business is about efficiencies and about uncertainty, even in normal times, like how much to stock. And that's on steroids in the pandemic. Always like a constant adjustment. We've had to constantly adjust our volume of product that we purchase uh, based on, you know, kind of sales and, and what we're going through at the time. So every single week it's a constant movement of things and it does become tricky because sometimes you'll buy, you know, you'll say, oh, I need two cases of broccoli, but then everybody orders broccoli wings and then you need three cases. So you have to go run somewhere, you know, during dinner service or a day that you didn't plan to do any pickups or anything like that. So. Shortages of products or drivers can lead to issues with freshness or with prices. Another X factor right now is inflation. Inflation is running at the highest in decades. That affects the price of everything, from the gas you put at your car to your food at the grocery store, to the garlic that this restaurant has to buy to go in almost every dish. Ryan's typical bulk order of garlic has doubled in price. Uh, I just noticed garlic is very, very expensive. <laughs> Looks like uh, like 121 for a case. Usually that's in the 60 or $70 range. It's just fluctuating with, you know, supply and demand. Zomo has raised prices on the menu where the owners feel like it's absolutely necessary because supplies have become too expensive. On the peanut butter? Oh, yeah. Did you charge as a case? As a case? Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Five ninety-five fifty-nine. He checks out at Restaurant Depot, but has three more stops to make this morning. At a special Costco for businesses, another restaurant supplier, and then finally an Asian grocery store. Uh, we have some of our Asian produce uh, that's um, not really available from any other suppliers. So like there's star anise or cinnamon, uh, coriander seed. They have some herbs that are only really like Vietnamese or like Rao rum, which is like uh, Vietnamese coriander and Thai chilies. We also get like our Asian fruits from there. So like jackfruit, papayas, green papayas. Ryan charges inside and puts in his order in Vietnamese. Mok thong dou dou. Mok thong kukai chang. I like to try and order in Vietnamese just uh, so that 
I, I, cause I'm still learning the language so they can correct me if something's wrong or um, it feels a little bit more genuine. I think, I think they, they kind of laugh at some of my pronunciation, but I'm trying to learn it. So I think some of the other like uh, customers, they're like, whoa, he, he speaks some of the language. So I, I, I try my best. When it's finally time for him to go to the restaurant, it's about 9 a.m. Remember, Ryan's been at this for more than two hours. Now he waits in the parking lot outside Zomo. He's waiting for a repair person because food and supplies aren't the only things he's juggling. Owning this building has helped them financially survive the pandemic, but it also makes the day-to-day work of maintaining it that much harder. Uh, You got staffing and supply and then maintenance or issues with things, upkeep. Definitely keeps you busy. I've got a list on my phone that's like, I don't know if I'll ever get to. It just keeps growing and I can't keep up. I'll knock a couple things off and then it'll just, I'll get more things added. He and Alicia spent a ton of time worrying about the people who work here. When the coronavirus vaccines became available, Alicia especially wanted to be able to keep the grandma safe and keep the restaurant open. So she went hard. I was kind of the vaccine broker. Um, Anyone that wanted one came to me and then I spent all night on the computer trying to find open appointments. And so we had people that went to the springs to get vaccines. Everyone was really eager to get taken care of early because they know how high risk our kitchen is. And that was so heartwarming that they dropped everything to go to Brighton or they went, one person went to La Junta. Despite the family vibe of this place, Zomo has had to deal with the great realignment of the workforce brought on by the pandemic. This is where leisure and hospitality businesses have been walloped twice over. They took the biggest hit when the initial closures happened in March 2020. Hotels, bars, and event spaces all suffered. And now they're also getting hit hardest again, as so many people working in these industries decide to leave, either because they're on the front lines at risk of COVID, or because historically, industry-wide, the pay has not been great. According to government data, a record number of people are quitting their jobs every month. And nowhere is that more apparent than in hospitality. More than one million people left hospitality jobs in November. Somo has been pretty lucky when it comes to staffing, but they aren't immune. At the restaurant, Alicia tells me about longtime staffers looking for new opportunities. And I feel like COVID kind of rushed all of that, where they're like, I'm going to take that jump into that new career now because the industry is kind of falling apart or we don't know what's going on. So we have one girl, she's starting her nursing program this week. And so it's as amazing as that is. Like, she's going to be the most amazing nurse because she's a great server and she's so good at customer service that we're now we're like well now we have to hire because she's moving on to another career and as happy as we are for her it's it's also kind of bittersweet because she's been here since we opened and kind of got us through that hump of what the shutdowns were a couple of our people have moved on to new schools and new careers at the same time hiring has been very difficult they've been able to cover shifts with family members but not always and that affects service or a moment there in August and July, August, we had hiring out for like the whole two months and we just didn't get any hits. It was really difficult. But 
it started to tick back up in the fall. They've been able to hang on to most of their staff, in part because of the government aid they got. Like so many small businesses, the PPP, or Paycheck Protection Money from the federal government, allowed them to keep paying staff as if they had full-time jobs, even during the worst of the shutdowns. The PPP money has been so crucial, not just to Zomo's survival, but to so many other restaurants I've checked in with over the past year. For some, they might even be doing better, in part because of all the taxpayer money they got. As diners start to file in, Ryan, Alicia, and I are still at a booth. The noise around us has gotten louder, the clatter is picking up. Ryan and Alicia's eyes start darting around, processing what has to be done in the dining room and behind the scenes. Excellent, thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Another key to Zomo's survival was expanding their outdoor space. It wouldn't have been possible but for new rules the pandemic brought on to help businesses like this one make people feel more comfortable by dining outside. Tonight, inside, the first couple in the door goes right up to the bar. They always sit at the bar, it turns out. Greg and Kendra Alvarado are regulars. They're dressed up for a night on the town. They chat with Alicia's brother, who's the bartender. They say they always come early in the evening during the pandemic because they feel safer when it's not crowded. They order their favorites, a bunch of appetizers, including these wontons. So what are you guys starting with there? These are the wontons. No, the uh, dump wontons, right? Wontons. Jalapeno. Cream cheese. Cream cheese, right? With this sauce is the sweet and sour, right? And this is the jalapeno. Yeah. This, this is really killer. This is what I love. They order some wine. They're vaccinated, but they say they don't go many places. That was true in the late fall when I'm here, even before the Omicron variant came around. The Alvarados have skipped concerts and movies, but they were still going to their favorite restaurants. The restaurant fills up, and the takeout business is also doing well. Ryan and Alicia say it's about 30 to 40 percent of their business as of the fall. They thought it would drop off once people could come sit down again. But it hasn't, and they think it'll be a permanent fixture of the restaurant business. The restaurant buzzes, not just with customers. There's also a baby. Alicia and Ryan do all this with a baby who's less than a year old. He gets passed around in the back of the house, including with Grandma Chi. Hey, Carden. Kitchen baby. Uh, he's just, he's fit right in. He gets passed around with all the grandmas. He's pretty comfortable here, clearly. Yes. Oh, yeah. Clearly he is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he owns the kitchen, everyone knows. Like, everyone watches out for him, too. He has like a little, um, we call it his baby office, and it's a little activity center that he stands in. And everyone watches out for his activity center, wherever it is. Um, they're like, oh, baby's out tonight. Baby's working in his office. <laughs> One more sign that family has been key to Zomo's survival. It surprises me sometimes how resilient some businesses have been considering what we all thought would happen when the virus came here and everything had to shut down. Ryan summed up earlier in the day all the challenges leisure and hospitality businesses like this face. It's a real struggle, you know. You have you have really hard time finding labor. The price of goods has gone way up. 
and there's shortages so there's just so many struggles it's a it's a really difficult industry to be in i like just from you know hearing conversations at some of the supply places there's there's industry uh seniors that are just getting out of the business it's just too difficult to juggle all the all the different problems and yet there has been resilience in the industry maybe more than people would have expected it just doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to stay that way the shockingly fast spread of omicron is hitting these businesses in a way that no other wave of covid has so far i checked back in with alicia and grandma chi and the baby at the beginning of January. We talked over video because, well, of Omicron. I was late getting on the call because we had so many reservations canceled because of exposures. So I was just calling one back. She's at 530, it has a cancellation. There are definitely more cancellations now, Alicia said. And it's not just customers reporting COVID exposures. She said staff are exposed when they're with family and friends, and then they can't work. The other night, Ryan had to jump in as a server. It made me anxious about scheduling. I was like, do I hire more so if someone does call out, someone can cover? Or do I just consider closing for that day? And is that going to be the new normal is we can't staff, so we have to close? That's kind of the back and forth that I'm having because I don't want to hire more and cut hours for people just because this is going around. But I also still have to function as as business. The prolific exposures and the resulting staffing shortages affect all the other businesses they rely on, too. Um, When we talked to the people at Restaurant Depot today or when Ryan did, they said that um, most of their staff has COVID and is not working. And so they have a few people to stock the whole store. Ryan can't get half of our ingredients. At this point, Alicia said with price increases on ingredients, they actually lose money on most of their dishes. She wishes she could shut down the business altogether for a few weeks to give employees and everyone else space to recover and be safe from the virus. But she doesn't want to stop paying them. So they stay open for now. And despite all the pieces that have gone into Zomo's survival, family, the huge fortune of owning the building already, taxpayer money, relaxed rules for dining outside, enough storage space to stock up on coconut milk to handle supply chain issues, and these 12-plus-hour days that wear on people over time. You have to wonder how much more this business, or any right now, can take. CPR News business reporter Sarah Mulholland. She reported that story with CPR's Ryan Warner. Thanks to Patrice Mondragon for mixing and sound design of this episode. Also, it was edited by me, Rachel Estabrook, and you can see photography online from Hart Van Denberg. This is Colorado In-Depth. Subscribe to the show so you can get CPR's most in-depth reporting in your podcast feed.